He is alive. Man, happy Easter. It is so good to be with you this morning. As we jump in today, I'm curious, uh, has anybody ever made you a promise and then not kept that promise? Or maybe they promised you something, and as soon as the promise came out of your mouth, you're like, there's no way. There's no way you're going to be able to keep that promise, right? Uh, you know what an empty promise is, right? An empty promise is uh, it's something that's not going to be carried out. It's worthless. It's meaningless. The world that makes a lot of promises to us, it, mostly the, it's just smoke and mirrors, though. It's this frenzied attempt that the world has to distract us from these gaping holes that are inside of us. It's the way that they try and it tries to fill those voids with things that we need or tries to sell us things. This product that we need to fill this void of emptiness. Empty promises, they can be one of the most frustrating, one of the most infuriating and disappointing experiences because of the empty promises. Empty promises, they can cause anger, they can cause a, a lack of trust. We come across emptiness in our life in different ways, right? We come across the emptiness of an empty gas tank at the wrong time. We come across empty bank accounts. We come across empty nests. We come across empty hearts because of the loss of loved ones. Emptiness, it can mean disappointment. It can mean anxiety. It can mean heartache, except when it doesn't. The world offers promises full of emptiness, but Easter offers emptiness full of promise. An empty cross, empty grave clothes, an empty tomb, all filled with promise. Empty is a reminder of the good news of Easter. That first Easter morning was not a morning that anybody expected. Everybody, they had seen Jesus die. They saw him hanging there on the cross. They saw the beating he took. They saw the nails in his hands. They saw the spear that was thrust into his side. They were the actual witnesses of the death and burial of Jesus. They were part of the funeral procession that, that pulled him from the cross and laid him in the tomb. They knew that Jesus was dead and buried. And so when the women went that Easter morning to bring spices to the body of Jesus that they expected to be in the tomb, they walk up and the stone was rolled away. The stone was gone. The tomb was empty. And so Mary Magdalene, one of the women that was there, she took off running. She goes running back to the disciples to tell them what had transpired. And the apostle, the disciple John, he's one of the four eyewitness accounts that we read of in Scripture. John, he reads Mary's response, Mary Magdalene's response in John chapter 20. He writes, she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb Verse 5 says, he stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Now, most people in our country, if you ask them, 
about the Easter story. They formed some sort of opinion about the resurrection of Jesus. And in 2020, Lifeway Research, they did a study, they, or they did a poll. They asked people this singular question, and they asked them to respond to it. And so the question is going to be on the screen for you. Here was the question that Lifeway asked. They said, biblical accounts of the physical or bodily resurrection of Jesus are completely accurate. So they said, okay, this is, this is the statement. I want you to respond to it. 66% of Americans responded to that statement saying they agreed with the bodily resurrection of Jesus. That's two-thirds of America believed in the bodily resur- or believes in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. There were 14% that said, ah, you know, I'm not sure about that. And there were 20% who said they disagree. They completely disagree with the validity of the real bodily resurrection of Jesus. So today, where are you on that spectrum? Do you agree with the bodily resurrection of Jesus? Do you disagree with it? Are you, maybe you're not sure. No matter where you fall on that spectrum, I want you to know we're glad that you're here. No matter if you agree, you disagree, you're not sure, I'm glad that you're here with us today. But I want to ask you a question today, that if there was a man who claims to be God, that same man claimed to give everlasting life, and then he also claimed that he would die, and then he would conquer death and be raised to life again three days later, if he did all of that, and then he actually did it, how would it change how you lived your life? If Jesus did all the things that he said he would do, what should your life look like? If there was a guy who claimed to be God, but he wasn't just claiming, he actually was. You see, everything hinges. Everything hangs on what you believe about the resurrection. I'm going to share with you why I believe. My personal opinion, why I believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. The first reason that I believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus is the empty tomb. I believe in the empty tomb because when you look at all the historical documents that we have, there is not a single historical document that refutes Jesus and the empty tomb. The Bible is the only document that actually talks about it, and and it doesn't say that there wasn't an empty tomb. The Bible says there was an empty tomb. All the other historical documents They don't say anything about the tomb. And so I believe that there's an empty tomb because of the historical data we have. The second reason I believe in an empty tomb is because there were 500 eyewitness accounts. There were 500 people that saw Jesus after he died and he was risen again. People were talking about it. In the first century, they were were talking about it. Word was getting around. And and so if you had friends like your buddy or your girlfriend, they came and they, they asked if you had seen Jesus... You would respond. But for us, we look at it and we hear that and we kind of think it sounds a little bit crazy. Like, have you seen the dead person? Have you seen the guy that everybody else saw die on that cross three days ago? Your best friend, your BFF comes up to you, right? And they say, man, I saw Jesus. You either think they're on the loony train or you believe them. And the third and the most important reason why I believe in an empty tomb is because the disciples were transformed forever. The disciples were transformed forever. They were fearful, and in a moment, they were transformed to faithful. 
They were there hiding behind a locked door. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and appears to them in bodily form. Now, you may believe a lie. You may live for a lie. But not many people I know are willing to die for a lie. And his disciples were willing to die for a lie. They were crucified. They were boiled in hot oil. Now, if it were me and I knew that it was a lie, the moment they start laying my hands out, pull that hammer up, ready to smash it, I'm like, hey, 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 gotcha, guys. Just kidding. It's a joke. You can take me down now. I'm just kidding. Gotcha. Fooled you. April Fool's. But they didn't do that. His disciples were transformed so much they were willing to die for what they believed in. They believed that they had seen Jesus rise from the dead. So what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about today is why is the empty tomb so important? Why is the empty tomb so important? The Apostle Paul, he, he deals with this question in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's a letter that he wrote to the early church in Corinth, and, and they were dealing with this, this ideology, this thought of the resurrection of the dead and and this was a city, Corinth was actually located in Greece, and so they had Greek background. The Greeks didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, but this teaching came from the Jews. The Jewish, it was a traditional Jewish belief that Jewish people from all over the world, their bodies would, would rise from the dead, and they would be connected with their souls at the end times. And so this church in Corinth that was Greek, they didn't believe in that. Paul, when he presented it, he was actually laughed at. You can read about that in Acts chapter 17. But they laughed at him for presenting this resurrection of the dead. This, this skeptical attitude had somewhat, somehow invaded the church, and Paul knew that he needed to address it head on. The truth of the resurrection, it had doctrinal and practical implications that were too important to ignore. You see, if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, you can read about this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, then the preaching, if the, if the tomb wasn't empty, then the preaching is empty. If the tomb wasn't empty, then Jesus would still be in the tomb. If the tomb wasn't empty, faith in Jesus would be empty. If the tomb wasn't empty, Christians would be liars. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, then he would still be dead. He would still be in the grave. And if he was still in the grave, it means there's no redemption and there's no forgiveness of sin. And Paul, he wraps up this section in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 by saying this. And he says, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone else. Why is the empty tomb so important? Because everything hinges on it. Everything hinges on it. You ever played the game of Jenga before? You know, where you got those blocks that are stacked up in towers, they crisscross each other, and the goal of Jenga is to push the blocks out without having the tower fall on you, right? My son loves to play Jenga. Like, he loves playing Jenga, and he really loves when the tower falls on you. Like, there's this joy that explodes out of his face, like, ha, it happened to you, that just radiates from him when I lose in Jenga, right? Because Jenga's a unique thing. You got to be very strategic in what you're doing, the blocks you're poking out, because you don't want the whole tower to, to come crashing down. Over the years, many people have treated Christianity like the Jenga tower, pulling pieces out, selectively moving blocks of the gospel, leaving big holes in the structure until finally you pull out the wrong one. 
and it collapses in a jumbled mess. One of the essential pieces that holds the structure of Christianity together is the bodily resurrection of Jesus. It's the cornerstone of the gospel. If you remove it, there simply is no gospel. And that's what Paul's saying here in 1 Corinthians 15. This is why the empty tomb is so important. So let me share with you uh, three things that can bring you hope on this Resurrection Sunday. The first is this, is that Jesus' resurrection guarantees another resurrection. Jesus' resurrection guarantees another resurrection. This is what Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Corinth. He said, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. The empty tomb, it comforts us. The empty tomb, it gives us hope because we are assured of another resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the dead, because of his resurrection, those of us who have chosen to have a personal relationship with Jesus, there is another resurrection available to you. We are raised to eternal life. And when you look at that phrase, the, the phrase of, of a great harvest in verse 20, it paints this encouraging picture because when an apple or a grape would first show up on the tree or on the vine, it painted this promising picture that there was more fruit to come. The empty tomb of Jesus guarantees another resurrection. You see, whether we like it or not, we're all going to die. Whether we like it or not, we are all going to die. We are assured that's going to take place. But for those who have been changed by Jesus, those of us who trust in him, those of us who have found hope in Jesus, we as believers will rise on the last day when Christ returns again, and we will be with him in a new heaven and a new earth where all things will be made new. There will be no more death, no more sin, no more evil, no more broken world. All pain, all frustration, all suffering, all anxiety, it will forever end. We will live forever in peace, in harmony with our risen Savior. The tomb is empty. The empty tomb is important because the empty tomb is the difference between defeat and victory. The empty tomb is the difference between defeat and and victory. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he continues to say, after that, the end will come, when he will turn the kingdom of God over to the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is the consequence of sin. We've lived under the curse of sin for thousands of years. When Adam and Eve, when they ate the forbidden fruit, sin entered into the world. Defeat was now our guaranteed verdict when they made that decision. Sin became part of our nature, and it gave every single one of us a death sentence. But knowing that we have victory, it should change the way that we live. You see, too often people who have given their life to Jesus, they live as defeated people. We act like death has had the upper hand. It doesn't. For those of us who have chosen to have a personal relationship with Jesus, for those of us who have chosen Jesus as our Savior, guess what? 
our sinful nature has been defeated. When Jesus came out of the tomb, when Jesus rose, he put death to death. The cross was the process, the empty tomb, it was the outcome. Jesus defeated what defeats us. Every tragic thing in our life, it will be redeemed. Every what if in our life, it's going to vanish. The empty tomb is important because it doesn't mean the end of the story. The empty tomb is a new beginning. The empty tomb is a new beginning. The empty tomb, it secures our future. We don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear life. When you have Jesus as your Savior, you have a glorious future. Can I tell you that if the tomb is empty, then anything is possible. If the tomb is empty, then anything is possible. And you may be here today, and you know the pain. You know the emptiness. You know the disappointment, the hopelessness that empty brings. And on those days, on those days when you feel hollowed out, those days where you feel broken, those days where you you feel half dead even, Remember that because of Easter, even death is full of promise. For every person who believes in Jesus as their Savior this Easter Sunday, look at the stone in front of your marriage. Look at the stone in front of your faith, in front of your family, in front of your relationships, in front of your future, in front of your health, in front of your joy, in front of your peace, and activate Romans chapter 8, verse 11 that says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit that is living with you. Church, declare in Jesus' name, stone roll away. Stone roll away. The empty tomb gives life to our challenges. The empty tomb gives life, gives hope to our marriages, gives hope to our faith, gives hope to our family, hope to our relationships. Declare it, stone roll away. And for those of you that are listening today, that have been trying to survive on your own. Let me tell you that the tomb is empty and God is real. Jesus has a plan that will change your life forevermore. You see, the stone wasn't rolled away to allow Jesus to come out. He already did that. The stone was rolled away so that people, so that people like you, people like me could see for themselves that the tomb was empty. Jesus said in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying, and everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Church, if Jesus got up, we can get up. If Jesus came out, we can come out. If Jesus overcame, we can overcome. If Jesus cannot be held back, then we cannot be held back. Will you receive his love? Will you receive the grace that he has for you? The Bible shows God as a loving father searching out for wayward children to come home. He sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to pay the price for our sin through his death and through his resurrection. Jesus left the tomb empty so that he could have a personal relationship with you. John chapter 10 says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
The tomb is empty, so you don't have to be. The tomb is empty. Jesus raised from the dead, came back to life, so that you don't have to be empty. So you don't have to live with a void. The empty tomb gives us hope. It gives peace. It gives joy. The tomb is empty, so you don't have to be. Father, we come before you today. And we say thank you for the great love that you have for us, that you love us so much while we continue to make mistakes, while we continue to try and push you away, while we continue to try and do things by ourselves, God, you love us so much that before we even did all of that, you knew and you sent your son Jesus into this world to suffer and to die for me, for us. The greatest expression of love. But not only did he die for us, he rose for us. He put to death, death. He defeated what defeats us. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for the great love that you have for us. Some of you here today that are followers of Jesus, you may have a loved one or a coworker, family friend, that doesn't know Jesus yet. Would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for those people with you right now. There are people that you know in your life that you're connected to that don't yet know Jesus. Just put your hand up. We're going to pray for those people that you know, the people that you're connected to. Just lift your hands up. Father, today I pray for those people, those who need to know your grace. God, we ask that you would do whatever it takes to bring them into submission. God, that you would do whatever it takes to help them find true life in you, Jesus. God, we know that you came for the hurting, for the lost, and for the broken. God, you came for people like us. You offered your life for us, for these people that, that are connected to those that are here today. Father, we pray that you would make yourself known to them, that you would capture their hearts. As we continue in an attitude of prayer today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's some of you here today that God brought here for a very specific reason. There's a reason that God got you out of bed and brought you in today. You've been walking through life trying to fill the emptiness, trying to fill the void with stuff that's not working. Trying to fill the emptiness with an addiction, substance, relationship and you realize it doesn't work sin can lead us to feeling shame can lead us to feeling guilt but today you can be rid of that you can fill that void in your life that emptiness that's there and the only way that you can do it is by surrendering your life to the control of Jesus Christ. And many of you that are here today, 
it's time for you to turn away from your sins and turn to Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment on the count of three. We're going to repeat a prayer together. We're going to repeat it line by line. We don't want to single you out. We don't want to embarrass you. We're a family here. And in this family, we do things together. But if that's you today, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you're ready to surrender control of your life. You're ready to fill that void in your life, that emptiness in your life that you have so desperately tried to fill. And it hasn't worked. With heads bowed and eyes closed, on the count of three, would you lift your hand saying, Jesus, I need you to fill the emptiness. Ready? One two, three. Thank you, thank you. There's hands going up. Thank you. All right, thank you. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Today, Jesus, I give my life to you. I give you control. Help me to serve you the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today, I give it to you. Thank you for new life. And now you have mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we worship with those that made a decision to follow Jesus today?